Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. The best people to help others are those that have been through their own troubles, you know, and holy shit, man, I've been through a lot of troubles. Welcome to the Humorology Podcast with me, Paul Barros. This is part two of our fascinating and funny discussion with Ian Lee. You will love it. Please remember to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. My boys have both got brilliant senses of humor. You know, they, 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 they're slightly different in that respect. Um, I am able, I have been able partly through my, you know, radio career and now in the counseling thing to illustrate that first of all, it's okay to talk about stuff. You know, they're 11 and 13 and, it, it's, and the schools are so much better on this stuff now than they were. The mental health, the mindfulness, the, the, the talking, they're so much better. But I'm able to show them that, um, that, that talking is great, that humor is, is great. Um, you know, that I've shown them some of the things that I've done in the past and they find them hilarious, you know, and, and, they, they, they're interested in this change of career. I think that's an important lesson I've taught them. It's okay to, to at some point go, do you know what? I'm not enjoying this anymore. I want to do something else and, and to try this talking about the failure, you know, I have completely changed career. I've quit showbiz, you know, with a few exceptions, if strictly came on the line, I'd, of course I'd go and do that, you know, but I did my last ever radio show a couple of weeks ago and it was it was beautiful and i was in tears and it was it was great and i have made the commitment to go full-time as a counselor private practice man that is that is a huge leap of faith that is there's a real chance that could go wrong i might not get any clients you know people i might not be any good all of these things this risk taking and this is probably the biggest risk i've taken in my life completely switching careers and um i'm able to share that journey with my boys you know, who's still a little bit, why, why have you, why have you quit show? Because that looks like so much fun. Well, you know, it's not the, it's not the greatest bit of fun. Um, so I, I am showing them it is okay to Brené Brown again, dare greatly to take risks, to push yourself, to follow your dreams to a certain extent. Um, but in, in terms of human, geez, my boys, oh, they make me laugh so much. They make me laugh so, so much, you know, and, and, and we have such wonderful moments just in tears sometimes laugh one of us will do something stupid and the other two we're gone it's wonderful well yeah and the, and that laughter with children is you know the isn't the statistic that children laugh between three and four hundred times a day and adults laugh 17.3 times a day it sounds about do you remember that you remember being like a 9 10 12 year old boy yeah. laughing until it hurt like you, when you're begging the person to stop. I can't remember the last time I've had, I miss that. I miss being 13 year old, being around my friend's house and in pain because I'm bent over laughing so much. I think that just um, find people who can do that with uh, yeah. with you. I, I have, uh, we have a thing called uh, GBC, which is ironically Great Blokes Club. It's meant to be ironic, by the way. Um, and we go on every second Monday, we go and we just drink three pints and we laugh our Brilliant. socks off and we know exactly. And it's kind of like an appointment to laugh. Yeah. And it's with two very, very funny people. 
and just sharing that moment. And we all know what we're there for, but we never discuss it. Yeah. It's like, we're not right. Okay. Have we got the agenda for what's going to happen? No, we, we just know that we will press each other's triggers and you will come out there with a release. It's yeah. so it's like going for a laughter massage yeah. where you just go, Oh God, I needed that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that people don't do enough is make appointments to laugh. Mm. If, if you know, well, actually, well, tell me about that. It's not seen as important because you've got to pay your bills. You've got to go to work. You've got to feed the kids. You've got to um, take the dog to the vets. Grandma's not very well. So it is not seen, I think, for a lot of people as a priority. Maybe it's seen as a luxury. Um, and you think, well, I've got to go and pay 50 quid to go and see Frankie Boyle. I've got, you know, I've got to pay 100 quid to go and see whatever. And you're right, laughing with our peers, with those people that we love and that love us is just, oh, it's just, it's just magic. And you're right. If you can find some people that know what button to push, what buttons to push to get you helpless with laughter, stick, stick with those people. You know, I have got to say my kids, oh my God, they make me laugh so much. My partner knows exactly you know, we were texting each other last night. She said, I don't live with her. We were texting. And even her texts were just making me piss myself. You know, we, we were watching The Apprentice, texting each other about The Apprentice. And I was I was totally done in by a couple of things that she said. Um, and I have a couple of friends who, who I, I don't see as often as I would like to actually because they live in, in Bristol. Um, but they make me laugh. And you're right. If it, it, it is, oh, it's wonderful, right? What a gift. What a gift. Well, I, I think, you know, for anybody listening to this, but also for us to remember, start to diarise those things mm. because we can very easily drift in life and just go, oh, I'll catch up with my friends in Bristol at some stage. And yeah. But by diarising it and going, look, we need to do this four times a year yeah, and everything. What's yeah, the best right. day? And, and, and those kind of things anchoring us into those states which to say I, I i have a thing where my son's now 21 he's at drama school we'll go back to talking about you at drama school as well but we go and see our local football team afc wimbledon who are generally rubbish <laughs> but the guys who sit behind us are hilarious right yeah and we all bond and then we'll let's scream comedy abuse at the linesman, you know, and we will just release. It's kind of like um, it's therapy yeah, in yeah. some sense. It's, you know, it's maybe primal scream therapy, but it still is. But the that bonding thing of being able to do something together mm. and then laugh at it and talk about it. Did you see how badly we played? You yeah. know, you know, we lost three one. Yeah. Four of three of the goals were back passes. You know, it's it's that yeah. level, and and that's why I think finding things that you can do on regular basis with people. You're right, actually, and I, I've been these friends I'm talking about in Bristol. I've been meaning for ages to to book in a weekend. We want to have a bad movie night. We want to watch Death Race 2000. We want to watch some Steven Seagal. We want to watch some um, oh um, uh, oh. Uh, Jason Statham. This is, a, this is another thing, my boy. So Jason Statham, the action movie star. For some reason, my kids call him Nicholas Boye. That's why I couldn't remember his name. Just I don't know where Nicholas Boye comes from. But so I always think of Nicholas. But it's just and for me, in jokes, little in jokes with with my boys, uh, with my friends. Shorthand, not even in jokes. Shorthand. Yeah. They can say Nicholas Boye, and I'm gone because they mean Jason Statham. They know exactly who they mean. My my youngest, whenever he ends a phone call, he always goes Chowsy Chow Chows. So I've now started saying chowsy chow chows to people. Absolute meaningless, absolute nonsense, but it makes me smile and it makes my heart feel warm. And and it, having people around you where you have a shorthand, you don't even have to say the full sentence. You can just say two words. They get it. Boom. They're gone. Love it. Well, that well, that's what I would call a comedy anchor. Yeah. Isn't it? So you're anchored into that. As soon as you hear those words, chowsy chow chow. Yeah. You go. So, so it's so funny hearing another adult say it. I've never heard another adult say chowsy chow chow. I will tell Kim later on. He'll be thrilled. Oh, we're, we're going to introduce it on the Humorology podcast. Do it. And, uh, chowsy chow chow. Right. 
and, and, and there's some gummy bears for every time we use it. Beautiful, yeah. And, uh, so what makes you laugh, Ian? What makes me laugh? All right, let's talk about some of the... the, the I've just restarted watching uh, on Netflix a, a TV series called Community, right? It's probably about 10 years old now. It's this really slightly meta um, uh, American sitcom, and I'd forgotten how much I love it. I've forgotten how much I love it. So I've started watching that. So that's bringing me a lot of joy. Um, like I've said, kids and my partner, nothing makes me laugh as, as hard as, as they do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. I tell you, we were talking before we were recording uh, about Clive Ball, a friend of yours, was a radio presenter. I genuinely think is what is perhaps the best radio presenter we've ever had in Britain. Anyway. Agreed. And if ever... Every eight months, a year, I remember that Peter Cook used to phone Clive Bull up at two o'clock in the morning as Sven, the Norwegian, Norwegian fisherman. Sweden. 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 Sven, Sven Sweden. from Sweden. Of course, that makes much more sense, doesn't it? Um, and every eight months, a year, I go, oh, I need to listen to Sven. And I go on YouTube. They're all on YouTube, dear listener. If you've not heard them, Sven from Sweden, uh, Sven from Swiss, Swiss Cottage. That was where he was from, Swiss Cottage. Uh -huh. There we go. Um, so go. Sven, Peter Cook, Clive Ball. Go and, go and type, look it up on YouTube. I've heard those, I don't know, 20, 30 times. They still make me howl with laughter. They're so gentle. They're so subtle. Peter Cook is, you know, he's in a very dark place when he's doing it, but he's so effortless. Clive Ball is just the perfect foil. I think from the second one, he knows it's Peter Cook. I don't think he did for the first one. And he's just the perfect foil, just asking these questions. and make it, Stuff like that makes me laugh so much, you know, and that's one of the few things I can keep going back to and just marvelling at the beauty of it. Um, and, you know, I, I like... <laughs> I like phoning radio and I like it when people swear, <laughs> you know, because you're not supposed to. And if you're phoning up BBC local radio, they don't have a delay system. They don't have a dump button. Oh. It goes out live. And every now and then you'll hear someone phoning up and going, oh, fucking hell. And, and then they get cut off. But, um, I'll be careful how I phrase this. There's a wonderful radio makes me laugh a lot. And there's a wonderful clip of Nikki Campbell uh, doing the breakfast show on Five Live. This is a few years ago. And he introduces, let me be careful the west kent hunt have you heard that clip paul <laughs> yes the west kent hunt now you can guess dear listener how he messes that up it's on youtube it's great and he he messes it up and then he apologizes an hour later he does exactly the same thing again. He goes, well, people will still be talking about the way, and he does the same thing again. And stuff like that, that makes me laugh. That makes me laugh. Oh, and he's a nice guy, Nicky Campbell, and I'm a big, big fan of his. I, th I think he's, he's, he's such a lovely man, been very generous to me. Um, that clip, though, it just I'm sure he'd rather forget it, but it, it does me in. Yeah, he's a great broadcaster he's brilliant. as well. Isn't yeah. he? I mean, having, I mean, considering he kept that where he's came through every level of broadcasting yeah. from being the, the disc jockey. To yeah, he was a radio on disc jockey. People forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he was brilliant at that as well. Do, is everyone funny? Oh, Paul, there's a philosophical question. Yeah. Is every, can I come back in a month when I've researched it? Is everyone <laughs> funny? I think everyone has the capacity to be funny. I think everyone has the capacity to laugh at stuff, but not everyone can. And I'm, I'm, I'm treading really carefully because I don't want to imply that it's necessarily a choice. I think people, some people have had such tragedy in their lives that, that they are unable to see humor in some things i do think for some people that has been dulled so much by trauma or or some past experience that that maybe um that maybe that has been dulled uh, uh, that's a heavy question paul i do, I'm, I'm i do not have an answer all right okay well i'll, I'll turn the question round. why do why do people fail to be funny do you think i think trying too hard i think is a thing I have got to do this and I will be funny. I, for me, real humor is really relaxed and is really kind of kind of natural and, 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 and seemingly spontaneous, even if it's not. Um, I think some people try to be funny 
to, to make up for, you know, insecurities in their own life. They want to be liked. They want to be loved. Um, but also humor is a really, is a really personal thing. You know, we talked about Frankie Boyle alienating half of the audience. Some people think he's, he's, you know, the devil incarnate, but they will, doesn't mean they're not funny people. Doesn't mean they don't laugh at, at some stuff. You know, it's all subjective, isn't it? Humor. That's, that's the thing there. I, I, I wonder if there is one universal gag that, that everyone would laugh at, you know, the search for the Holy Grail. I don't, Maybe it is people falling over. I don't know. I think it's people falling over on the ice. Actually, I think it which might you be. mentioned earlier. That yeah. might that might be the. I was going to say funny cat videos, but some people don't like cats, which I just do not understand. That always these people that don't like cats have two cats. Mate, have five. Have you really? <laughs> I'm a 50 year old man living on his own with five cats. It's not a great look, Paul. It's not a great look, I tell you. <laughs> That psychiatrist and the listenership will have a field day. I know. With that one, I know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I feel embarrassing out loud. There's a chance a sixth might be moving in. No, a sixth isn't going to move in. I'm no. I'm going to be strong. Going on that same premise, not the cat premise, but the, the can humour be taught? Because everybody, I think, because if you actually look at anybody's dating profile, they mm. always say great Good sense, sense of, of humour. Yeah. From a psychological perspective, are people delusional and think that they have a great sense of humor. Yeah, oh, everyone thinks that their sense of humor is great. It's when they say good sense of humor in a dating thing. What they mean is someone who laughs at the same things I laugh at. That's what that <laughs> is, isn't it? Because I think most yeah. people think they have. Can humor be taught? I don't know. I think you can be taught the basics of doing stand-up. That's how I got into it. I was taught um, at college by a great um, man, a great man, he was a great, he is a great man. I think he's like Hugh Thomas, um, who... Oh, he used to run uh, the King's Head. King's Head, Crouch Egg. You know him, right? Yeah. Well, I used to play the gig. Yeah, I know Hugh Thomas. There yeah. you go. Yeah, so Hugh Thomas was one of the lecturers on my um, performing arts degree that I did. And he taught stand-up comedy module. And he is great. I, I don't know why he's not more famous, you know, because he was a real instigator in what we would have called the alternative comedy scene back in the day. And he oh, has was? given so many people their breaks and help people. Anyway, you're right. He used to run this, this club in Crouch End downstairs at the King Head, along with Peter, somebody, I think it was. Yeah, and yeah. so this court... This course was you did like 12 lessons and, a, and you, you know, and then the, the 13th lesson was you did a gig at the King's Head. And it was that was life changing for me. That was really life changing. That is why I am sat here opposite you today, because of Hugh Thomas, because of those 12 weeks. Right. If I hadn't have done those, my life would have gone off in a completely different direction. That was life changing. So I think you can learn. The technical aspects of stand up. I don't think you can necessarily learn how to be a great stand-up, but you can learn simple things like, um, you know, setting up a gag, mic technique. You can learn those things. Um, can you learn? But you to can't learn timing, though, can you? No. You have to hear yeah. where the funny lands, doesn't it? Maybe you can learn it, not necessarily in a classroom, but by years of listening to comedy, you know, listening to Monty, watching Monty Python, listening to whatever. Maybe learn is learn is the word i'm having trouble with maybe that by devouring comedy you can i'm getting so lost maybe you could i don't know you can't learn it but by devouring comedy that can help you i think develop there we go the seven-year-old uh ian lee was did he hear the funny yeah did he have the beats you see I, this I is generally beats, the yeah. way yeah yeah. Because you know where the beats are. Yeah. And I think that's the bit you can't teach is where the funny lies. Yeah. You know, if you can't say, okay, take two beats. Yeah. And it'll you got be feel funnier. It. You got to feel yeah. it. One of the, you asked me what was funny. And I'm reminded of, I really like comedy tech. There's a great comedy double act, Mr. Show, David Cross and Bob Odenkirk. And they would do yeah. sketches that I used to love. And I would love them because they would be funny. They would go on too long and they would stop being funny. They would carry on and they would become funny again. And I like that. That's timing. That takes bravery. I did. There's a great, I, I don't often sing my own praises, but I will. If anyone wants to, to know what I mean, Ian Lee, do you drive? Right. And it's an old caller guy called Jeff. And the question I want to ask him is, do you drive too fast? 
but I, he won't let me get it out because every time I go, Jeff, do you drive? He goes, yes, I do. And I go, <laughs> Jeff, just hold that because I want to do the full question. Jeff, do you drive? Yes, I do. I'm 82. <laughs> and it is perhaps the favorite thing I've ever done, right? Because it starts off really funny. It goes on too long and it stops being funny, becomes irritating, but then it goes on even longer. So by the end, most, a lot of people, when they hear it, they've got tears coming down their face. And that's a brave thing to do on a local radio phone in, right? I was brave to do it. My producer, Catherine at the time, most producers would have gone, Ian, can you move on from this? Yeah. Yeah, Giving, giving you the cutting thing. And she didn't because she knew where it was going. So yeah, I like, I like things that go on for too long and go round the loop. That makes me laugh a lot. Talking of things that go on for too long, you weren't expecting to be on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here for very long. (laughs) No. You you ended up in in the final three. Yeah. Yeah. And I I lost out to second place by 0.025% of the vote. Isn't that something? Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? But... But what did that teach you? I mean, because patience must be, because you don't like being, by your own admission, around people very much, but you signed up for something where you were in the face of everyone. I don't like being around people. I don't like being around arseholes in a campsite either, but that's that unfortunately (laughs) was how that played out. Um, The Jungle was nuts. I had been asked several times to do The Jungle and I always said, nope, don't want to do it, don't want to do it. Then I was getting divorced and I needed some money. So I got in touch with them and said, that offer, you've asked me four times, is that offer still open? They went, oh, yes, but because you've come to us, we won't pay you as much as everyone else. And I did that because I did it for three reasons. I did it because I needed the money. I did it because I was doing a radio show that wasn't being promoted. So I wanted to go in front of 12 million people and say, I'm doing a radio show. And I did it because my boys were at an age where they must have been six and eight. They they didn't know, they weren't really aware of my TV career. And they were at an age where they would, I thought, I'm gonna show off to my boys and show them what daddy used to do. So it was, it was, it was, it was to partly to impress them and it, it, it worked. Um, the jungle was tough. You're right. Suddenly I'm in a, I'm in a campsite with 11 other people, some of whom I found very obnoxious, some of whom were, were bullying, a couple of whom were delightful. Jenny McAlpine from Coronation Street, Shappy Corsandi. Um, you know, they, were, they, they made it all worthwhile. Um, and boy, oh boy, you really had to hunt for the laughs there. It, it, was, it was fun. It was boring. A lot of it was boring because you sit around for a long time, days doing nothing. Some of it is really demoralizing. Um, you know, when I failed, the, the first task I had, I failed miserably because it was underwater and I can't do underwater. Um, but there were great moments of laughter in that. You don't really see much of Ant and Deck. You don't really see them until you're, you walk out and they are there and you suddenly you're in the TV show. But Jesus, they made me laugh so much. I think those two are so funny. And to see them yeah. up close, to see them three feet away doing the shtick. Oh, my God. And I, I felt so proud. I really came away feeling I'd achieve something if I was able to make them laugh. And there were a few times when I had them bent over double laughing. And I thought, okay, all right, that's nice. Because I respect and admire them so much. I think they're so good. So you kind of feel a little bit, oh, I made I made two people that I really admire laugh. I'll take that, you know. And there was a lot of laughter in the the camp. It was kind of a lot of gallows humour because you're miserable and you're hungry, um, and you don't know what's going on outside. But you, we laughed a lot, you know. We laughed a lot in there. So it was it was it was an experience. Uh, if anyone's ever offered the chance to do it, do it. It's um it, it's it's life changing. And and. What did it teach you in terms of counselling, though, moving forward? I mean, listening uh, skills, I mean, were they not honed by doing that? Or was that already honed by having to listen uh, for a living on the radio? Um, Listening skills, I'm not so sure. It taught me patience, you know, because everything is so slow there. It taught me... um, It taught me... What did it? What did it teach me? I don't know, to be honest, Paul. I mean, it, it changed my life. It, it, it completely changed my life. Um, I tell you what, it taught me. It taught. It, it was part of the journey towards realizing I am enough. 
because because I failed my first task, I, a lot of people hated me and would not let me do any other tasks. And there was one moment where there was a, there was a challenge. And I said, I would like to put myself forward for this challenge. And it kicked off. Uh, Jamie Lomas and Dennis Wise got really angry. We're not going to let you do it because you fail. You're the only person that failed a task. We're not going to let you do it. And I was, and it was tough for me to put myself forward. Um, and I knew I was going to get rejected. And I said, okay, I hear what you're saying. I know I'm probably not going to get this task, but I would like to put myself forward for it. You're not going to get, and it got really tense. And Dennis Wise is up shouting and giving me all of that. Um, and that was, was a, a big step in realizing that I am enough um, and I'm allowed to ask for what I want. And it was, it was scary. It was intimidated by these two alphas. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm not even a beta. I don't know what I am. I'm a seater. Um, and, um, but yeah, I learned that it was, it was, that was part of the journey of learning. I am enough and I am allowed to ask for what I want. So that was actually a big lesson. Yeah. That clips on YouTube is horrible. Really horrible. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So do you, uh, do you watch it back or, I mean, I mean, you said it's on YouTube. I mean, is it something that you can relive? Because isn't it always really hard to watch yourself? I've done a lot of television over the years. Yeah. It's really hard to watch yourself on television. I tend cause... not to. I watched some of that back. I watched the trials because I wanted to see what they look like. I've not watched, and I've watched that bit actually with the, the, the argument. I've not watched much more. Than, I've not watched all the trials actually. No, I've I've got the full DVD. They give you the box set on DVD. And, <laughs> yeah, they do. So I've got it up there. Um, I haven't watched it all, and I've seen enough. Yeah, I don't like watching myself on TV. I get no pleasure from that. This was slightly different, but I, yeah, I've seen enough. I don't need to see any more of that. So, but you just said that the only thing that would get you back into show business immediately is was the call from Strictly. Yeah. So. There is there is something still there that you go. Do you think it's well? I'll tell you a, a little story about what happened uh, to me. I I left um, show business and I went and trained um, similar to how you train, but in sort of different disciplines in yeah. NLP and psychology and there. And it was part of my training. I used to train doctors at Guy's Kings and St Thomas's. And after two years of doing that the BBC came calling and went, oh, you perform and you've done this training. Would you like to have your own primetime BBC two series called Speed Up, Slow Down? And I go. said, no. Right. Oh, you said no to it. 
Well, I said no three times, but obviously the third time. But but literally, they they didn't even um, make a pilot. Right. Just gave the series. Incredible. And it and it's kind of what happens is you go and you do something else, and then somebody else will come round and say, "Oh, actually, you're ready." And I think that's the interesting thing for people to know is yeah. go and try something else and you get yourself ready. And then all the other skill sets you had become relevant again. What was it like? What did it feel like saying no? Felt fantastic at the time. Right. Yeah. Because? It was, well, because I didn't need it. Yeah. And the fact that you didn't need it was already I proved to myself that I, I got over that hump, mm. if you if you see what I mean. And that's the thing, because in, in this industry, we are you have to say yes all the time because you never know if, it, if you're going to get another offer. And for me, it's chasing, chasing, chasing. And um, so hearing you say no, it's like I, 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 what was, when I finished the radio show last week, I got a load of podcast offers. Yours was the first. And I said, yes. And then a load of others came in and I went, I don't need to say yes to all of these. So I picked three that I liked for different reasons. Um, and I've said yes to those. So I've got three more, but I've turned down the rest. And part of me thinks, well, maybe I should have turned down, you know, I should have just done two instead of four. I don't know. It's not within me to say no to work. And I'm having to learn to say no. And when I did say no to a few, well, I, I've gone and closed my curtains in a minute because I'm, I'm becoming a silhouette. It's really freeing saying no to stuff. It's a really freeing thing being able to turn down. I mean, work, you, you don't get paid as a guest for a podcast, do you, Paul? <laughs> Should have asked first. <laughs> I, uh, asked. You'll, you'll be getting a handwritten letter and, uh, and wonder, a book and then taken getting... out. And Thank a hand. <laughs> That's not that. Okay. Not that. Just so we're clear. I don't want a hand. Um, <laughs> so um, I am still learning to say no, but it is it, it for me is great being out of the chase of show business, being out of the chase. You know, I, I walked away from a, my last radio job for loads of reasons. It wasn't working there, but I, I I knew that would be my last radio show. I've never quit a job in my life. I've never quit. I've always gone on till the contract ends or they let you go. You know, so. Um, I'm feeling I'm 50 this year and it really feels like this is a significant year of change for me. But it's, uh, isn't it all about uh, seizing your own power yeah. at that point? And you yeah. go, actually, I'm not at the whim of everyone else. I can create my own stuff and yeah. I can uh, do that. I've been doing this than... thing this week, Paul, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called living. And it means I've not been getting up at half past five every morning to do a radio show that I don't believe in for a station that I don't think is really supporting me. It means, um, you know, I got up this morning, get this, dear listener. I got up at half past 10 this morning and it felt great. And after this, I'm going to go off and I'm going to have a bit of lunch. I'm going to take a book with me and read. And then I'm going to come back and potter around. Then I'm doing a show online with, with my friend for the Patreon. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been chasing more and more and more my whole life because that's what I was taught to do. And it's dawned on me, I don't need more and more, I need enough. I need enough, that is okay. And I can have enough financially, is the, I guess is the key thing, by seeing a certain amount of clients a week working three days a week. I can have enough and I can live on that and I can be comfortable and I can feed my kids and pay my mortgage, boom. That's all I want now. That's all I want. I've had really, really, really well-paid jobs, like silly money. And most of it went up my nose. If I'm completely honest, I don't say that with a sense of pride. I was, when I did a breakfast TV show, I was earning so much money, it all went up my nose, you know, or, or on stuff that was unhealthy for me. Um, so now earning enough is great. And I'm, and I'm laughing, you know, I, I'm walking around the house laughing because I haven't got the weight of that show business career on my shoulders. I am, I've taken control. I want to be, for the next few years at least, I want to be a psychotherapist working in private practice. Okay, I've made that happen. That's happening. Let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. And I strongly su suspect, Paul, by the end of the year, I will be offered some TV and radio work because of this career move. I really believe it. And I will take each offer as it comes. I don't need to say yes straight away. How much does it pay? How long does it take? 
I will take each offer as it comes, if they come, and I will look at the merits. Right, money, how much time does it take? What do I get out of it? Would I find it satisfying? Would it satisfy me? Mm. It's got to tick a few of those boxes before I would say yes. Great position yeah. to be well, it's a great position to be in, but also uh, you said the word, which I think is really important, is control. Yeah. Uh, you have control over the the way you do it. And I I, I always say that, that, that humor is a superpower, but so is control. Yeah. And, and controller over what you're doing is the ultimate, isn't yeah. it? You are not being led around by somebody else. I feel I have to stress, I am in a very, very fortunate position where I've had a, a pretty successful career for 25 years, where I had enough money that I could sign up for a course where, you know, I've got, I've got a nice house. I mean, it was a big mortgage, you know, it's not, you know, I'm not loaded, but I'm aware that I'm in a really fortunate position that a lot of people are not in. You know, a lot of people are doing jobs that they can't get out of at the moment sure. because they are completely financially dependent on it. They don't have the time or money to sign up for a course. You know, the, I, 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 I'm aware of that. And you know what? I have really learned in the last couple of years to count that blessing, to really, to not take it for granted, to be completely humbled by the fact I'm in this, this incredible position. You know, I get on well with my, my boy's mum. We don't live together, but I get on well. I see my boys whenever I want. I have a few quid in the bank. You know, I'm not loaded. I couldn't, you know, go and book a flight to Barbados now. But I've got a little, I've got a little cushion that, that will keep me protected for a little while. So I'm in a really fortunate position. And I think that makes it easier to laugh. I think that makes it easier for me to laugh. Well, it's Maslow, isn't it? It's the hierarchy of needs You've got at it. that point. Exactly. So there is yeah. a certain amount of safety around me. Um, so I can't remember what we were talking. This is, I've got to keep going off on tangents. I love it. it. I love Bring it. Bring it back. Okay. Well, okay. I will go back to something I said in the minute. Yeah, is, is, is humor a superpower? I think some people have it as a superpower. Like I said, being in the company of Gervais, you didn't even have to do anything and you I would just piss myself. So I think some people have it so attuned that it is like a superpower. Um, I and I don't necessarily mean famous people, you know, hopefully people listening to this will all have at least one mate that is is able to just have you creased over. I'm, I'm hoping most people have that. I think by saying it's a superpower that implies that there is something magical and exclusive about it. Um, I I think it's I, I think it is possible within all of us. Um, sometimes I'm in a, I'm having a good day and I can make a lot of people laugh. You know, the, no, no. Let me take that back. The best audience for me is my kids or my partner. If I have them laughing, that's all that matters. Twenty years ago, I'd need a whole TV studio to be laughing. I'd need you know the audience of a radio show to be laughing. I don't need that now. If one of my kids is crying with laughter. That's, that's the best gig. It's the best gig I could ever have. We've reached a part of the show that we like to call quick fire questions. <gasps> Why do we call it that, Paul? I have no idea because I'm sure there's no such thing with you. <laughs> I'll do it. I'm, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to no, score short no, answers. No, I don't want short no, answers. No, I'm enjoying I this. I'm so glad I said Whatever comes out. Okay. I, what, whatever comes out. I will be quiet now. Quick fire questions. Ian, we've reached a point in the show which we like to call quick fire questions. Well, this is a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> quick fire questions. And it will be. Um, oh dear. Who's the who's the funniest business person that you've met? I and obviously. You've worked in show business, so I, it can be people in show business or it can be anybody. I thought these were quick fire questions. That question took a minute. I'll tell you the answer. It's Duncan Bannatyne. OK, now you tell me why, because I don't want quick fire questions anymore. Um, well, I was lucky. I was lucky enough to uh, interview Duncan a few times when I was at LBC and we got on really, really well. And we ended up sort of being friends. We haven't spoken to each other for years, but um, and he always used to make me laugh. And we had a great I did a great phone in competition once. Guess the mystery voice. Right. And the clip was Duncan Bannatyne going, I'm Duncan Bannatyne. And so it's him saying his name. And we had these 
we had this wonderful old lady phone up and say, I don't, I don't know who it is. And I go, right, the answer's Duncan Bannatyne. I'll play it again. I'm Duncan Bannatyne. No, I've got no idea. Okay, one more. I'll, tell, I'll give you a clue. It's Duncan Bannatyne. Let's hear the clip. I'm Duncan Bannatyne. I don't know idea, I'm afraid, Ian. So, so that again, that's on YouTube. You want to go and look at that nonsense. But uh, Duncan Bannatyne made me laugh a lot with that clip and just with being a lovely human being. He's the funniest businessman I've ever met. Oh, well, that's brilliant. What book makes you laugh? Oh, that is a really good um, question. What book makes me laugh? Oh, I tell you what, the Danny Baker books. My mum is not very well. She's in a care home. And so I go over and I go and read. Which one are we reading? reading to, off to sea in a sieve, I think. Um, and we both just sit there and I read it to her and we both just piss ourselves laughing. So the, I think there's three, the Danny Baker books. Brilliant. Brilliant. Is Was Danny Baker uh, an early influence yes. on, on your radio? Very, very much so. I used to listen to him on GLR. GLR back in the day, on a Saturday and Sunday, you'd have, I can't remember the order, but you'd have Danny Baker, Chris Evans when he was at his peak, and Chris Morris. Those three together. It was insane. And um, Danny Baker, I think, was the first ever radio show I phoned up when I was about 14 years old. He was a huge influence. I once... So I got interviewed for the um, Independent or something. My, who's my radio hero? And so I wrote this. Well, I, I sent them all this info in about Danny Baker, and they wrote the piece. And they wrote it in a really clumsy, kind of like sixth form way. But it was all basically, you know, saying how much I love Danny. And I went to a show that night. Danny Baker was sat next to me. What are the chances? And I went... Ah. Oh, I was so embarrassed. I went, all right, Dan. He went, Ian, I saw that lovely thing you wrote about me today. It was brilliant. I said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And, but um, yeah, he was a huge influence on me. I think mean, he's one of the, he's a great broadcaster. Oh, is that lovely when that kind of yeah. thing happens, though? I did a thing. I was once in a restaurant in Parsons Green. Yeah. And I was sat there and uh, I was talking about how brilliant Julie Walters was. Okay. And I, I, as a comedy actress, and the two people sat off opposite me were doing that face of like, oh god, just stop, stop! And because I was going, she can do anything. So her comic timing is absolutely equis. And she was literally oh, sat my... behind me in the restaurant. Isn't that amazing? And you just go, no idea about Isn't that. Isn't that amazing? Did you speak to her? Yeah, she was go. She was charming about it as yeah. well, you know. Well, yeah. by the way, you know, I didn't say she's useless, didn't she? <laughs> okay, she was carried by Victoria Wood for all those years. It's funny how those things happen sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's uh, uh, synchronicity. Is that what it's I called? I think that might be the word. That's right. Uh, uh, what film makes you laugh? Oh. Um, uh, Happy Gilmore, the Adam Sandler film. Really lowbrow, really dumb, really stupid, just wonderful. I mean, there's a great line, you might, maybe you want to bleep it, where he's up against this posh golfer, and this posh golfer goes, you know what, I eat shit like you for breakfast. And he just goes, oh, you eat shit for breakfast. <laughs> and it's it, it, and that film gets me every time. I think it's a joy. I think it's a brilliant film, and it's one of those films that I can watch again yeah. and again. It's just it, it's a lovely sort of nice pleasant warm cuddly ambiance to Very it and you so, know yeah. where it's going yeah that sort of thing uh we're going to take a shift to the other side now Ian. okay the dark um, side the dark side okay what what's not funny i think everything is open game within certain contexts i think everything is you know what about cancer i think cancer got to tread carefully I, I think cancer can be funny. I think that's one of the things that actually is, is a really good thing to laugh at, um, you know, with the permission of those involved. You know, I've had some pretty horrible things happen to me when I was a kid, but I've made jokes about them. That's okay. You know, I think, I think sometimes um, laughter about really dark things can be therapeutic. And I think as long as it's not done in a mean way, as long as it's not done, in, you know, in a targeted way to cause offense or cause upset, I think, I think everything is open game. A friend of mine is is just found out that he has bowel cancer. Oh. And it's but it's treatable and things. So now do we stop laughing with him? Do we take everything very, very seriously? You know, or do we kind of find a lightness in it which can probably help he alleviate some of the 
I think if the if if he is you know if if a person who has cancer is is open and prepared to laugh about it, I mean I would probably be led by them slightly. Want to go in cracking jokes, or but um, yeah, I, I I I everything is open for humor. Everything. Well, you've just said I think the most important words, and it's it's very interesting because obviously doing your counselling now led by them. Yeah, isn't that where humor comes from? Yeah. When we look in each other's eyes, do we go, can we play? Yeah. Can we, are we up for this? I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you have to, yeah. Can we play is a great way of looking at it. What word makes you laugh? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, you'll have to bleep that. I'm, it, that word, that word makes me, that word makes me laugh a lot because it's so, naughty you know it's still the one word that yeah and wanker wanker's got a you know i like the i like the heart the k the k sound i think those so wanker and his answer <laughs> that's what i'm going to clip it's just you going wanker and completely take it out of context yes those <laughs> yeah. those words make me laugh a lot well i i mean i have a theory uh, well it's not it's the um uh, who wrote the sunshine boys um the very famous writer who wrote and oh, the k's are funny yeah um i know exactly who um, you mean and i cannot think of his name neil simon neil, neil simon, simon yeah. yeah yeah and that his that k's are funny and it becomes funnier because it's got the hard consonants in yeah. it yeah yeah uh, and I think I think I, I I like swearing. I think swearing is fun. Like I say, when when it's done on a radio show, you know, when it's not meant to be, I I love that. Um, you know, my boy, like a few years ago, my my boy said, "Oh, mummy took us to the cinema." Oh yeah, what did you say? We saw this film. Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. It had the c word in it. I'm thinking what? What is what is going on? I said, okay, I'll play, play it calm. Okay, just remind me what the c word is. Am I allowed to say it? Yes. Will I get in trouble? No. Okay. Crap. I thought, yeah. oh, thank God for that. Okay. <laughs> my son did the same thing. <laughs> my, my son did the same thing. And 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 we'll, we might lose a bit of this uh, out of the edit, but uh, do you remember Bob Mills? Yes, of course. Um, well, brilliant Bob Mills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also a great broadcaster yeah. as well. And Millsy was, I, I think, one of the top three compares of all time, you know, we used to work with him all the time. Yeah. But we uh, we employed him to do, talk about really making people laugh. We employed him um, to do some voiceovers. I think it was for a project for Jean Gleurs. And we took him down to the studio and everybody yeah. was very serious. And he walked in and uh, he, 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 he just went to loose everything up. He just went to the whole crew. He went, why's Noddy got a little bell on the top of his hat? And everybody went, I don't know, why's Noddy got a little bell on his hat? Because he's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Just the timing on that. I still remember the whole crew just falling yeah. and, and it changed the whole atmosphere. So um, uh, we're, we're not advocating the word no, uh, no, kids. No, no. but uh, if you want to phone uh, up a BBC local radio show and say it, you have my full backing. <laughs> what sound makes you laugh, Ian? Um, what sound makes me laugh? Um, oh, I'm so, my cat's snoring. I was I was in bed the other night. And I thought, "Fuck, someone's in the house. I can hear someone breathing." What What is that? And it was just one of my cats snoring really, really loudly. So, yeah, that makes me laugh a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely as well. It's giving us a lovely. You wanted me to say farts, and I wasn't going to say it. I know what you wanted from me, Paul. Not, not Damn. puppet. Well, you see now, we're in the edit. You'll say farts because yeah, we've got it on tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a very bright bloke and you're now uh, a counsellor and uh, would you rather be considered clever or funny? Oh, because now my low self-esteem is kicked in. I thought, well, I've never been considered either of those. Yeah, funny, funny, funny. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Every time? Every time, yeah, funny. Yeah, by the way, I think it's the correct answer because in order to be funny, I think you have to be clever. 
Do you think so? I would yeah. I would disagree with that. I know some really thick people that are funny. Really name thick. them. No, I'm not going <laughs> to name them now. I've said they're really thick. I don't. I think with intelligence, if that's what we're saying, cleverness is. I think a different. I think I think a, a humor can go off in a slightly different way. No, I I don't think you have to be clever to be funny. I would dis, I would dispute that. I wouldn't fight you about it. I wouldn't care about it that much. But <laughs> I would I would dispute that. Listeners, well, send your answers on a postcard, please, to uh, Paul <laughs> Humorology England. It's it'll get here. Um, and finally, Ian, Thank God. Desert Island. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see if we can edit around that. Okay, go on. Uh, and finally, Ian. Yes. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> desert island gags. You can only take one joke with you to a desert island. What is it? See, I'm not very good at gags. Um, oh, what is the one? Okay, this is this is this is okay. I'm not very good at telling gags, right? I'm not, a, but this this one makes me uh laugh um so an, uh, an old bloke goes into the, the old bloke goes to the doctor and says i'm having i can't get an erection and the doctor says all right well i'll i'll get you should get viagra and the old bloke says can you get it over the counter and he says yes if you take enough of them <laughs> i don't i've not told it very well but that is that is my that is my favorite joke <laughs> It is still brilliant, and you have been an absolutely superb, wonderful guest. I've had so much fun. Uh, sorry, I'll oh. shut up. Let me shut up. You, you do your business, and then I'll. No, no. I back. just, I just love that you've been so brilliantly funny, so brilliantly Bless honest, you. and so brilliantly uh, real. So Thank you. I've got three words that I'd like to say to you. Fuck off now. <laughs> Fuck off now and chowsy chowsy chow chow. Chow yes, it's made it into a podcast. Paul, I have had such a such a gas. Thank you so much. It's been a real a real pleasure and an honour. And and I've I've seen your esteemed previous guest list. So for you to consider me to be part of that, thank you. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you. The Humorology Podcast was hosted by Paul Barros, produced by David Rose. Music by Steve Hayworth, creative direction by Les Hughes, and additional research by Helen Sykes. Please remember to subscribe, like, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production.